You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. America and the world, welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today I have the very distinct pleasure of having as my guest the chef and author and James Beard Award winner, Virginia Willis, someone who has built a career uh, fusing food and media. Welcome to the Business Hour, Virginia. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. And Virginia, I have to uh, probably cause you to blush uh, because... I don't typically read uh, about uh, my guests' uh, accolades, but there are so many uh, really distinct uh, accolades. Uh, You've uh, been lauded in so many ways, and you've done so many things that I'm going to actually read some things uh, (laughs) uh, about you. You, You've appeared on the television Food Network's uh, program Chopped, You've been on Fox and Family. You've been on Martha Stewart Living. You've been on Paula Deen's Best Dishes, In the Kitchen with David on QVC, on CNN International, and on a judge on Throwdown with Bobby Flay. And that would be a lot for almost any chef author, but you are also an editor-at-large for Southern Magazine uh, and author of the magazine's popular column, Cooking with Virginia, mm-hmm. the Chicago Tribune praised you as one of seven food writers you need to know. Your food blog, which has been tagged as a favorite blog by Severe Magazine, receives incredible reviews for the recipes and stories celebrating your your culinary adventures, and that's a great term to describe you, uh, a culinary adventurer. Uh, Your articles have have appeared nationally, including Food 52, CNN, All Recipes, Country Living, Eating Well, Family Fun, Fine Cooking. You've been recognized as Southern Food and Entertaining Authorities, or rather as a Southern Food and Entertaining Authority, and you've been featured in the Washington Post, USA Today, Seriously Eats, FoodNetwork.com, Tasting Table, and you've been quoted in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. You were the former TV kitchen director for Martha Stewart Living, Bobby Flay, and Natalie Dupree, Atlanta's own Natalie Dupree, and you were the producer of Epicurious on the Discovery Channel, and you're currently in development with the WGBH for a series called Secrets of the Southern Table with Virginia Ellis, a food lover's guide of the global south that will be airing nationally on public television stations. And so I have this really important question, and that is, what do you do with your spare time? Well, I'm exhausted after you just read all that. You know, um, I love what I do, and, and so, you know, that old sort of phrase that... Um, you know, if you love what you do, it's not work. So my spare time is spent, you know, eating and cooking and drinking and uh, being with family and friends, just like everybody else. Yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of people would aspire to do something uh, even approximating what you get to do, which is uh, integrating all those aspects of uh of uh, food and the Epicurean life, uh, and and that's why I say that culinary adventure is probably a really uh, good title for you. Um, you know, there are so many different paths that 
professionals take to achieve success and uh, our listeners seem to be endlessly fascinated with with how how each guest got to where they are today and so i want to go back to the beginning um i always find the earliest embryological stages we'll call it of a Mm. professional's development uh to be very telling uh even if it was the simplest of influences but when Virginia, as a child, and, and and also maybe where were you, uh, that you became conscious of food, you know, took more than a second. It was more than just a comforting moment. It was actually, there was some consciousness, and you uh, thought, wow, this is really, really an important part of my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always loved to cook, and I, I'd really, truly, there are photographs of me, and I have memories of being in my grandmother's kitchen when I was a toddler. Um, the kitchen has always been sort of the center of my universe, whether it was when my grandparents were babysitting me when I was a little girl or spending time in the kitchen with my mom. Um, so, you know, photographs of me making biscuits at three years old, sort of standing on a chair, it's always the kitchen has always been tremendous I suppose that uh, that sentiment carried throughout my childhood and into my teen years and even into college you know I went to University of Georgia to have a little liberal arts degree but you know when I was when I went uh, to to Mexico for a, a winter break you know I came back and was making ceviche and things like that and um making some of the recipes that we had tasted uh and then i I suppose i i became aware that this was something that i really wanted to do after college um it's it's a sort of a longer story but 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 essentially i realized that i loved it so much and that it it could become a profession and um that was in my sort of mid-20s and i've been working in the food world and the culinary profession ever since where were you when you were uh, three years old uh, making biscuits? So I'm a, I am a Georgia native. My family um, uh, lives in the, around the Augusta area and a little town outside of it. Well, it's no longer little, but it's a suburb sort of of Augusta now called Evans. And um, I was born near Augusta. My family is from there. And so um, that's where, you know, my grandmother was. Uh, teaching me how to make biscuits when I was a three-year-old. You know, after that trip to um, Mexico, you could have become uh, a uh, uh, an American uh, chef that was uh, much like, and and you'll have to pardon me, but you probably know the name of the Chicago-based uh, um, chef who has the uh, Mexican... Oh, Rick Bayless. Yes. I mean, how can you forget Rick Bayless? Yeah, it's no, like forgetting Paula Dean. Well, gosh, I would aspire to be like Rick Bayless. He's pretty phenomenal. Um and, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that that's one thing that I just sort of incorporate into, you know, I love to travel. My I, I, my grandmother, um, she used to tease me that I had itchy feet like my granddaddy. My granddaddy always loved to travel, too. And I, I love to travel and get to see and experience new things. And whenever I am traveling, I, I love to you know, taste the regional foods, the authentic foods, get to meet the real cooks. And it may or may not wind up into a book or an article, but it's always um, inspiration and education um, to, to travel and get to taste and see new things. 
Um, well, I'm pretty much the same way. I, uh, I, you know, the term foodie is probably taken on uh, a little bit of a, uh, a tainted uh, uh, color, if you will. But uh, and um, yet, you know, it sounds like you're a, a true uh, foodie in the very best sense of of wherever you travel and enjoying travel, uh, so that you go get to go to different places or make the uh, the time and take the effort to uh, to, to try uh, new foods that are part of the culture. And that's something that I also try to do, and I just consider it to be a real important dimension of wherever I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I might say, Virginia, you, you are. You said, I would love to be like Rick Bayless, but you <laughs> are like Rick Bayless. No, no, no. I, I appreciate your uh, your kind words, but... Um, and uh, you know, but Rick Bayless is is truly a, a, a someone that uh, has a extensive restaurants. But but I will say I thank you because I think that in terms of the sentiment that he brings to food and cooking and community and and social justice and good business and all of those things, um, I, I do try to to embody. We're, we're going to give him the edge, but uh, I, I still think you're on on the, that <laughs> meteoric path. Um, so now you're in college. You've uh, gone to Mexico. You come back. You're not yet uh, dropping out and, and, and going to school, uh, to culinary school or, or something like that, or maybe you were. But when was it that it came into view that this could be something to pursue professionally even if you didn't do it at a high level when did it come into uh, uh, when did you envision that you might become a professional so I as I mentioned earlier I went to University of Georgia I got a history degree and then basically I wound up in retail management and I sort of uh, fell into it wasn't very happy with it and I had you know a sort of an epiphany, a light bulb moment, I was perfectly miserable when I was 25 years old, and and I just can remember having this thought, like, I, you're not supposed to be this unhappy when you're 25, and I, you know, sillily, very silly thought, um, you know, middle age, you're supposed to be unhappy in middle age, well, of course, now I realize that one is never supposed to, supposed to be unhappy, and then also, I find that things have just continue to get better um, but I was about 25 and I, I was unhappy in retail management um, had always loved to cook continued to cook for friends and family people had been telling me for years that I should go to culinary school um, but what exactly happened is I was uh, unsatisfied at work I found myself at the end of a particular relationship and I had an opportunity through a friend through a friend to meet Natalie Dupree in Atlanta. I was living in Atlanta. I met Natalie, um, and I was able to apprentice on her TV cooking show. So my first job cooking in a professional kitchen was on Natalie's TV cooking show, and uh, Natalie sort of took me on, uh, took me under her wing, and and that's really the beginning. I started apprenticing with her on the series, and after the series, I asked her if it would be possible to continue to apprentice. Apprenticeships are are still very important and valid. Unpaid apprenticeships are very important still in the culinary industry. So I apprenticed with her for nearly a year 
um, maintaining my job at the time. I was with Rich's um, department store, and and I was transitioning to making that uh, full time career. So in my mid twenties, about half my life, I'm fifty now. Um, so it it was it was incredible to have that door open. Like wow, you can do this as a job, as a profession. And it, it really just it completely changed my life. You know, you're uh, likely not quite halfway through. Uh, now you're close to middle age. And yeah. uh, think of what the next 50 years can bring th- now that you had uh, had uh, changed your path. And really, one of the sub-things of this program, even though we might profile an organization as we profile the individual uh, because they sometimes go hand in hand but in your case the emphasis is much more on uh, Virginia Willis uh, is the organization and people need to know that you can change your career orientation uh, mm-hmm. that if you you're not really happy uh, it's not as if uh, uh, it's an easy thing to do for everyone and not everyone is going to have the serendipity of uh, meeting a Natalie Dupree but, um, you know, you thought it through and you decided to consciously make a change and, and, and what, a, what a great change uh, for everyone, for, uh, you know, those of us who get to uh, read your books and, and, uh, and taste your food. Yes, and, and well, I, I would I, thank you first. Thank you. And, and then I would also say that um, you know, maybe everyone can't meet Natalie Dupree, but but I didn't know that was coming, right? I think that part of that is just being open, uh, you know, mentally, business-wise, uh, you know, they're just being open to possibilities, right? So it also took some dedication. I, I, I maintained my full-time job, and I continued to apprentice with her for, for over a year, right? So that was... Um, I mean, I'm not trying to say poor, pitiful me by any stretch, but I am trying to point out the dedication. So, you know, I maintained my full-time job, and on my days off, I went and worked for free for her so that I could learn. Um, uh, and, and part of that is really just being open to opportunities and then trying to weigh and, and, and judge, you know, the sort of the return on investment. You know, I realized that having this opportunity and being able to learn from this, you know, literally grand dom doyen of Southern cooking was worth my time. And that that was going to, to, to be a career base, um, a career builder that I would unlikely have the opportunity anywhere else. And, and Natalie continues to still be a very dear friend and my mentor uh, 25 years later. Um, Virginia, we're going to have to take a break. We're going to come right back to Natalie Dupree after the break. We're with Virginia Willis, chef, author, food, media, culinary, culinary adventurer. We'll be right back with Virginia after this break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. 
coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with chef and author and James Beard Award winner, Virginia Ellis, and we're talking about her background, uh, the thing which which uh, fueled her to continue on as someone who has uh, fused uh, food and media uh, into her career, and we were talking about Natalie Dupree, who who may not be recognizable to as many people uh, that are listening uh, outside of the South and uh, abroad, but Natalie Dupree was certainly a, uh, a luminary uh, here in uh, the southern region. And in fact, Virginia, I took a class um, from uh, Natalie. My wife and I took a class, um, and I think it was an Italian-themed uh, uh, evening of uh, cooking uh, something like a bolognese or uh, something, but uh, it was totally enjoyable. I was taken by the whole experience as much as the specific cooking lesson and uh, in some sense you must have been a real part of of, of Natalie's uh, growth and popularity so um, well I don't I don't know that I, I was a part of her growth and popularity one thing though Ron it's Virginia Willis um, not Ellis I'm sorry uh, did I say Ellis yeah, I no, am so okay. sorry okay. and I want to just make sure that uh, we're all on target with breaks and stuff so you make sure to let me know um when we need to when to break, I have that pulled up in front of me now. I know how important it is with production to sort of stay on. Yeah, track. I didn't want to step on you uh, uh, no, there too hard, right. but uh, there was no breath in between some of those session those uh, sentences because yeah. you were on a roll. You were on a really nice yeah. roll describing uh, actually what uh, Natalie Dupree meant to you. And when I said that you. Uh, were surely a part of her growth and popularity. You know, the value of a really good assistant, uh, you know, or assistance, assistance plural, you know, a team of people that help you with your program or your, uh, with any aspect of your business. I'm certain that Natalie Dupree feels that you were instrumental in some way. That's all. Yeah, yeah. So Natalie has um, sort of a, it's a phrase she calls her chickens, and it's people that have apprenticed with her and work with her and, um, you know, there are dozens and dozens of people that have had the opportunity over uh, Natalie's long career, and I'm one of them. And, it, and, and it's it, having that ability to have those relationships with both mentors as a mentor, with mentees, 
those are tremendously important, and that doesn't matter if it's, um, you know, banking or cooking or gardening, you know, whatever it is in the business world, it's important to have those relationships. I, I think you're absolutely right. There's uh, a handful of young uh, 20-somethings uh, fresh out of school uh, that I'm currently, they could be uh, f- the children of uh, of good friends who uh, are in the media uh, or aspiring media uh professionals that I'm sort of, uh, well, maybe flat-out mentoring, helping them uh, sort of broaden their horizons, looking at different options and coaching them through the the interviews. So, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring them, and I'm hopefully helping some of them. And then just got an email yesterday that from someone who said they got the job. And so that always makes me feel good uh, because I, too, uh, was mentored by some uh, some good people. So you're right. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the mentoring uh, the mentor-mentee uh, uh, relationship can uh, uh, yield good things, and in your case, uh, Natalie Dupree was a part of the early development. Uh, tell us where you went from there, um, uh, because uh, I, I would, I dare say, that may have been when the fusion of food and media began. Is that is that true? Would that be uh, very definitely? Um, so, Natalie encouraged me to go to culinary school and I went to culinary school in the D.C. area uh, at the Academy to Cuisine. It was a one-year program and we had uh, six months of hands-on training in the classroom and then essentially uh, six months of internship. I did part of my internship with Nora Puyol who is a, a chef and restaurateur in the D.C. area. Uh, she had the nation's first certified organic restaurant um, and then the completion of my internship was actually um, coming back to Natalie and working as her kitchen director for a TV series. Um, so up to D.C. and then back to uh, Atlanta wor- working with Natalie? Yeah, I was uh, back in Atlanta for a short period of time um, and then at Natalie's um, suggestion and encouragement and um, sort of helping me figure out the path, I went to France and was meant to be in France for three months and was in France for three years. <laughs> Um, well, that had to be really significant. Uh, l- let's take a little a moment here to to talk about uh, uh, the the experience and and what role that played in in, in your development. Uh, it's an environment that is absolutely intense. I always say to people that uh, well, you know I studied at the American University in Rome in Italy, and I woke up every day thinking I was in Disneyland and that I needed to get out of bed because I was in Disneyland. Um, did you have a similar experience? Did you, you know, think, oh, my God, you know, i got to make the most of every day. I'm here in a really fa- – I'm in fantasy land. Yeah, of. no, for sure. I mean, but I think that – I mean, I'm not certain um, what your experience was, but uh, I do speak some French. I wasn't completely fluent, and I also find that um, it can be challenging, right? So Disneyland can be really wonderful or Fantasyland can be really wonderful, and there were obviously, or not obviously, but there were also points that I was, you know, face down in the bed crying because whatever it was was so challenging. I mean, from a business perspective and from just a personal growth perspective, all these things, it's important to do things that challenge you. So French, working in France, um, taught me a lot. I was supposed to be there for three months. I was there for three years. Um, worked at a culinary school and also worked in some Michelin-starred restaurants. Um, so taught me a tremendous about about food and cooking and life and 
many different things. Well, well let's let's talk about just that. Uh, wh- what were some of the key takeaways from from that experience that uh, uh, made you the professional that you are today? Whether that's professional chef or whether or not that's uh, general business uh, acumen or even if you want to share some of the influences on your life outside of uh, the professional world, what were some of the the big takeaways from that uh, period? Well, I think that the attention to detail and how um, how important the little things are really started to show through, I mean, one thing about French technique is that <clears throat> it's it's attention to detail that makes the difference between something that's good and something that's great, something that's mediocre and something that's good. So uh, that was a, a, a big takeaway, as well as, you know, realizing the importance of fresh local foods. Um, and actually being in France made me, made me realize and appreciate what was happening in the South and the influence of my grandparents and their gardens um, with my with my uh, to- career choices. You know, attention to detail is something that comes up over and over in conversations uh, about uh, French uh, uh, instruction, and uh, it reminds me that, you know, much like uh, Japanese um, chefs, uh, it is attention to detail that can often make all the difference in the world. And um, the, uh, the experience in, in general, uh, the culture, uh, it, not unlike uh, a previous guest, uh, Jennifer Booker, cited that she saw some similarities. Now, I dare say you may have influenced Jennifer, but she said that uh, she saw similarities in ingredients, you know, in, in farm fresh, uh, but in, 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 in ingredients with slightly different uh, preparations. Is that is that what happened? As you saw that there were some ingredients that were being used in similar ways? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are ingredients being used in similar ways, but more than that, um, I think that what happened, there were, I had a very big moment um, in Chablis, which is actually a town, um, where they're very, very famous for growing uh, Chardonnay grapes that they indeed make into Chablis wine. And I was in a hillside in the top of Chablis and sort of looking out. And if you're looking at the, the, the area, at the very top of the mountain where it gets a lot of sun, it's called the Grand Cru grapes. And then a little bit further down the hill is the Premier, and then it sort of goes down the hill. And the, 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 the short version is that the grapes that get the most sun and have the best drained soil produce the best wine. And I realized that's exactly sort of how my grandfather planted his garden. And that he, you know, the, the produce that did the best had the best drained soil and worked and, and had the most sun. And it was a, just a light bulb moment, you know. It's like, wow, okay, that's how that works. So not only did I learn a lot about wine in that moment, but it also started making me appreciate, you know, a garden fresh delicious tomato is delicious whether you're in Georgia or France or Italy or wherever you are Um, so more than anything it wasn't like the similarity of ingredients but it was the appreciation of ingredients well also the technique it would seem you know that uh, for you personally and this would be different than from, from most people the fact that you had a 
<coughs> grandparent who was growing in a similar style um, it would uh, also drive home the uh, the similarities of, of ingredients and food growing so that you had this real uh, down to earth so to speak uh, appreciation for the for the food um, we're going to be taking a break and when we come back I, I want to ask you about how the the media orientation or the writing more specifically began as a critical component of uh, who you are uh, as Virginia Willis uh, culinary adventurer we'll take a break we'll be back with Virginia Willis in a couple minutes whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Virginia Willis, who is a chef, an author, a food and media culinary adventurer, and really, I I know that sounds a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's not. I mean, that's a term that uh, applies to Virginia because she's done so many different things related to to food, and she's utilized the media to share her experiences. I, I, you know, it's sort of like food is a way of sharing love with 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 friends or, or strangers, uh, and and it sounds like you've done that, Virginia. But it also sounds that you've also used your writing skills and your overall media skills to share your experiences as well. 
Yeah, um, it, I mean, my first job cooking was on a TV cooking show, so it was, that's, you know, part of the media. It very much influenced my career from the beginning, and then obviously working for people who, you know, are such media superstars and business people and culinarians like, you know, Bobby Flay and Martha Stewart, seeing those organizations at work and and what it takes for their success. I've tried to... Um, use some of their some of their techniques and in, in my work as well when did you start writing oh uh, well I I guess prof- professionally I started writing you know maybe 15 years ago not even my first book Bon Appetit Y'all came out 10 years ago mm-hmm. so uh, you know did the, the process of becoming a writer and having a publisher sort of pay attention to someone starts with much smaller things. So I started uh, writing restaurant reviews or sort of restaurant pay-to-plays with the Piedmont Review, local alt-weeklies and such in Atlanta, um, sort of moved up a bit to the AJC and then, you know, just started. But my, my first book came out in 2008. Yeah, your first book, Bon Appetit, y'all, Recipes and Stories from Three Generations of Southern Cooking in, in 2008, um, is a book um, that uh, seemed very familiar uh, to me, and uh, I realized it was a book that I bought, uh, quickly uh, thumbed through, uh, should have copied some of the recipes, but, but really it was bought with the intent of uh, supplying um, uh, or, or, or giving as a gift uh, to my uh, uh, sister-in-law, uh, and uh, she might even be listening. Um, but I think uh, uh, she really appreciated the fact that uh, she's on the West Coast in California, and she appreciated that we were sharing uh, a taste of the South. W- what uh, w- what what comes to mind when you think of that very first book? What were some of the things uh, that you shared? Uh, in that book well first thank you so much for buying my book I appreciate that Bon Appetit Y'all really truly is sort of the distillation of my time in France and then my southern heritage and that bringing um, that memory that I expressed earlier to you about having that moment in Chablis Um, the longer I spent in France the more I grew to appreciate sort of my southern roots and southern heritage and, and southern culinary background so Bon Appetit Y'all is recipes from my grandmother, those old-fashioned recipes that um, that I grew up with. My mother uh, is still a very great cook and a very adventurous cook. She cooks the old-fashioned country favorites as well as, you know, I grew up with, she'd make egg rolls one weekend or she'd make uh, um, French dishes or, you know, she just really explored in the kitchen and I grew up with those things. And then the third generation, of course, is me in my time in France. So Bon Appetit, y'all, is um, very very representative of my culinary history and then where I am now. Um, Is your grandmother uh, and your... Are your grandmother and mother still with us? My grandmother, sadly, is not, but my mother is, and she's awesome. We travel a lot together, as I mentioned in the beginning, we um, travel a lot, so my, my she and my partner and I will go different places, or if my partner can't go, then 
she'll go with me, and um, she loves to cook. She cooks something. She cooks all the time herself. Is she still uh, uh, adventuresome in the kitchen? Oh yes, very much so. Um, sometimes to sometimes my uh, my sister, who's a, a lot more. Um, I guess a uh, normal quote unquote in the kitchen. She wonders why my mother tries to keep fixing things, you know, as opposed to just sticking with tried and true tra- favorites. But yeah, she's a great cook. <clears throat> there are always people who um, who just uh, want to stick with the classics. Uh, it gives them a comfort uh, to uh, go with what's known uh, to, to eat and to taste. And then there's those of us that are always trying to push the envelope because it's fun uh, and, you know, new tastes uh, when they're well done is uh, just a real treat. Uh, and that's, that's I, I guess it's in your DNA. Um, in 2013, you wrote uh, Grits. And, uh, you know, we're going to get back to the subject of Grits because there's an upcoming event that we'll talk about. But as far as the book is concerned... Um, what a classic uh, uh, focus for a book that is about Southern food. Tell us uh, what it went into the uh, the concept, and tell us uh, about a little bit about what what one can expect uh, in that book. For the book grits, yes, um, the book grits is uh, I'm super excited about it. It's a very innovative um, endeavor. Actually, the the company is called Short Stack Editions. And it really was sort of an answer to traditional publishing, at, at least initially. Short Stack is a company that was founded by food writers. And so from the very beginning, their uh, uh, financial monetary setup was a little bit different. Um, I was commissioned to do, I think it was 25 recipes. And they had a really interesting um, sort of take on it. There was a flat fee that was a bit higher or that for contract version number one. Contract version number two was a slightly less fee, but then with a higher royalty on the end. So it was very creative financially um, on their part. And I was enlisted early on, and um, one of the considerations uh, was actually Coca-Cola. Um, they, they were curious about me writing about Coca-Cola, and then it was, which is a client of mine, and I do a lot of work with Coke. But we decided to go with Grits, which can't get much more Southern than that. And uh, I love that little book. I love the Grits book. Yeah, I, um, uh, I'm i going to have to uh, <clears throat> get a copy because uh, I, too, um, you know, I, I might say that I dabble in, and I don't cook really that frequently, so I cannot say that uh, I am a cook. I am someone who experiments occasionally in the kitchen, and I'll try to duplicate a, a, a meal. But there was a meal I had in uh, in Charleston, at the Cypress restaurant that was a uh, uh, it was scallops shrimp and lobster grits and uh, I've duplicated that or come close uh, a couple of times uh, and uh, so uh, you know I aspire to learn uh, new recipes uh, using grits and I'm going to have to get your book uh, and in well, fact thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm certain that uh, there's lots to learn and I guess we might as well talk segue <clears throat> to this event that's coming up uh, a week from yesterday. Actually, I don't know if there's uh, uh, room for uh, the event, which entitled "It's Grits," a dinner featuring uh, Chef Virginia Willis. Um, 
I'm going to go through the menu real quick, and then maybe you'll tell us a little bit about the um, shrimp and grits pate uh, on brioche, uh, stone ground cheese and sausage grit beignets. That alone might be worth the price of admission. Uh, The crab and grits cake also uh, with arugula and roumelade. The St. Andre grits souffle with uh, balsamic blackberries. Pan-roasted duck with coffee uh, demi-wild mushroom grits, uh, gnocchi, and quail eggs. And then for dessert, stone ground grits cake with panna cotta and black walnut brittle. I mean, that is the most incredible combination of grits on one menu that I think I've ever seen. (laughs) That is a lot of grits. Um, I'm thrilled to be cooking with Linda. Uh, Linda Harrell is uh, a friend of mine. We were both in a women's professional organization in Atlanta called La Dame Sescoffier. Um, she approached me. They're doing these different dinners at Food 101. And she reached out and asked me if I wanted to do a dinner. And I said yes immediately. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. And what we've done is uh, Linda has, Linda has decided some courses and then um, I have chosen some courses and and uh, we're going to show the diversity of a very um, simple porridge. We definitely want to uh, tip our caps to uh, to Chef uh, Linda Harold. She's been on the program a couple of times and she's just a really delightful person. Um, uh, so I'm glad that the two of you have teamed up. Uh, might I take a guess and say that the items on that menu that have the uh, French uh, flair uh, are some of the ones that you suggested, like the uh, the ground uh, stone ground cheese and sausage grits beignets, maybe? The pâté? Yeah, yeah. So, um, the beignets, uh, which are not like the typical beignets from Café du Monde, and in fact, they would be it's almost like if you, it it would be the same and not sound as fancy if we called it a hush puppy. Um, yeah, yeah, a, pa- a pastry a fried bit of dough. Uh, the shrimp and grits pate is that something that you uh, contributed as well? Yes, um, actually, you may remember a watershed when it was located in Decatur. Um, uh, Scott and Stephen had a, a beautiful dish on the menu that was a pate that was served on toast and I like the shrimp and grits is a is a very popular and common uh, southern dish and it's also nice to see it used with different ways like using it as a, as a topping as opposed to a main dish um, and, and tell us about the St. Andre grits souffle with now that is actually Linda's dish um, but St. Andre is a triple cream cheese. It's a very uh, rich and decadent um, cheese uh, from France. And so um, me personally, I can't wait to get a bite of that. Yeah, this is an amazing uh, menu. Uh, you, you added also the pan-roasted duck uh, um, with coffee, uh, demi-wild mushroom, grits, gnocchi, and quail egg. That's uh, also an item that separately would wor- be worth the price of admission. Um, and then the stone ground grits cake, is that uh, you or Linda? The, gr- the grits cake for dessert is mine. So that's actually based on um, an Italian uh, cake. Um, you know, of course, polenta is very uh, popular and common in parts of Italy. Um, and the, the difference between grits and polenta is really about the kind of the corn mm-hmm. um, or 
uh, the kind of the corn. And uh, yes, the grits cake that we'll be serving for dessert is uh, a version that I learned from a chef in France. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I think I recognize that um, as as actually being uh, Italian from some of my uh, travels. I like to go to Italy uh, now and then, and uh, uh, I, you know I see some roots of from French dishes. Uh, you know, in in Italian uh, uh, food items or dishes. Uh, anyway, that is a, a week from yesterday. It's next Thursday, uh, and uh, you know I. I, I, I need to go online myself and make sure I register. Um, okay, let's get back to uh, to some of your books, or we'll take a break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about uh, okra, uh, another uh, staple of the South. We're here with Chef Virginia Willis, chef, author, uh, food and media um Fusion uh, Authority uh, and James Beard award-winning writer uh, will be back with Virginia right after this break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with chef, author, uh, food and media, uh, fusion, adventurer, uh, and just culinary expert in in many, many dimensions. Uh, Virginia Willis has uh, 
experienced uh, quite a bit, and she tries to share that with with uh, the public, uh, with friends. I'm sure she still has uh, probably have really good uh, uh, dinner parties, Virginia. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and um, she uses the media to, to share um, what she's uh, learned uh, after um, Bon Appetit Y'all uh, and Grits. Uh, you wrote in 2014 uh, a book entitled Okra, uh, which is m- more in the uh, Savor the South series. Um, uh, by the way, did I see that book was translated into Japanese? You know, I saw that, that you wrote that, and I Googled it this morning. I'm going to have to check with UNC Press. Uh, I don't know that for certain, I have to say, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, okra is popular in Japan. Yeah, I, 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 and I thought about it, and I thought, oh, yeah, I guess that's, that's, a, that's a natural kind of uh, evolution uh, of uh, that particular book, uh, you know, with uh, the da- Japanese uh, having an appreciation for okra. But, you know, uh, in all honesty, Virginia, I would not be surprised if all of your books could be translated into many different languages, uh, and we, we don't have to get into that because maybe you're having discussions about it now. Um, I don't know. Um, but I think that uh, Southern cooking has been on a sustained high uh, with people appreciating it more and more in this country and the rest of the world, I would think, uh, is going to be very open uh, to a cuisine that in this country has always been regarded as delicious comfort food and there are chefs like yourself uh, and and writers who are helping to elevate it or at least make it more popular but even as a chef you're refining recipes or trying new things to come up with variations that are you know just equally delicious as the classics and uh and so maybe i should ask you are you in any discussions about the translation of some of your other books well from i'm not directly in conversation now having said that um uh some many of my books are sold in in English-speaking countries like Australia and Great Britain, so it's not translated, but there is an international appeal to Southern cooking, um, and it's always in a contract. You know, you never know. Uh, it's always in a contract that books can be translated. Um, I think it's um, it, it can be challenging, obviously, um, because the measurements are different, but uh, it's it's always a possibility. So, lighten up, y'all, uh, mates hasn't been translated into Australian. Um, that's just a, a crude attempt at humor, Virginia. <laughs> good day, mate. Good day, uh, mate. Good day, mate. Y'all. Lighten up, y'all. Good day, mate. Yeah, lighten up, yeah. y'all. Good day, mate. Um, uh, okra. Let's let's uh, t- share one or two recipes that were your favorite recipes in 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 the book entitled Okra. The rest of the book is comprised of 50 recipes. 25 are international and 25 are classic southern. In terms of the classic southern, I don't think you can go wrong. I love uh, okra and tomatoes. Stewed okra and tomatoes is really just classic, uh, delicious, southern, summer, fresh and bright. And then my favorite international recipe is actually a version of fried okra. Um, however, it's uh, Indian. So Indian India produces a great deal of okra. 
and this is fried uh, lightly dusted in chickpea flour with spices and served with a spiced yogurt dipping sauce. Wow. Yes. Virginia, you um, you have to um, uh, actively uh, um, ponder uh, translating some of these books uh, like into Hindi maybe um, because, <laughs> no, I'm serious. There are yeah. people probably that... that uh, uh, would really, really appreciate it because you're talking about some foods that are already popular in countries where, with new recipes, uh, well, they'd just be delighted. You went from uh, okra to uh, Lighten Up Y'all, subtitled Classic Southern Recipes Made Healthy and Wholesome. Uh, and, and there's a timely approach to, uh, to Southern cuisine. Tell us about that book. The Lighten Up Y'all basically is my proof and attempt uh, and endeavor to show that um, all Southern cooking is not unhealthy. Um, There are quite a few dishes in the book that are naturally healthy and light, and and then there's some recipes that have been tweaked to make them more healthful. Um, Essentially, it was a response of the media portrayal that all southern food is um, fried chicken and biscuits and gooey butter cake not unlike uh, something which uh, uh, chef uh, Jamie Adams at uh, Il Giallo here uh, in uh, Atlanta in Sandy Springs in fact uh, he, when he studied uh, in, in in Italy uh, and and later on after coronary bypass and he was very conscious of um, wanting to produce Italian foods that were a little lighter, a little less butter, a little less cream, a little less sugar, a little less salt. You know, he, he was coming up with a, a healthier approach, and I would say that that, uh, that probably applies perfectly uh, to Southern cooking. Yeah, sure. And then I would also say that, um, you know, the chef is, is probably very familiar that there's also tons of Italian cooking that's just automatically light and flavorful. Um, I always say that if we were to look at Southern cooking as only this one thing, like just say fried chicken. It would be like looking at Italian food and saying it's only spaghetti or looking at Mexican food and saying it's only a taco, which, of course, both of those cuisines are far more complex than that. Well, that's absolutely correct. Uh, (laughs) And your next book, Basic to Brilliant, y'all, has 150 uh, refined southern recipes to make that point. Uh, ways uh, the subtitle is 150 refined southern recipes and ways to dress them up for company. I mean, therein lies uh, the proof that there are many different kinds of recipes. Are, are there one or two that that, that uh, are your favorites from that book? Oh, that book! I love that book. Um, it's it's essentially like weeknight cooking to Saturday night cooking. Uh, they're herb roasted, uh, fresh ham is in there, pork belly. There's just tons of recipes. Um, it's hard to choose one. Let's turn to the new upcoming book, if you will. Uh, do you, anything you can share? Any secrets from the book entitled "Secrets of the Southern Table: A Food Lover's Tour of the Global South"? Thank you. One of the most recent uh, sort of realizations on my part is that that um, the South is comprised of many different. Uh, groups. It's the largest region in terms of um, Hispanic growth and um, 
so those recipes are traditional Southern as well as globally influenced recipes. Um, again, I uh, I think that uh, Virginia, you are perfectly positioned uh, to uh, reach uh, even greater heights because of your your fusion orientation. So that you always endear yourself to folks who like the classic Southern dishes, but you're ever mindful of different foods uh, or, or foods from different cultures. So uh, over the time, uh, it, it'll be wonderful to keep up with what it is that uh, you're fusing uh, and uh, and even what you might uh, create that doesn't have any Southern influence. Uh, I would think that there are a few things uh, uh, in your magic bag of tricks that uh, you'll be uh, writing about soon. Uh, and people can learn uh, about some of what you're up to uh, by going to your website. Um, uh, tell us what that website is, Virginia. I'd love for people to visit to visit me at uh, virginiawillis.com, W-I-L-L-I-S. VirginiaWillis.com, and in that uh, at that website, rather, you uh, you can uh, read uh, Virginia's blog, uh, some very up to date um, information about uh, a food. Hey, you um, you won the James Beard Award uh, for your uh, your writing, uh, um, and which book was that? Uh, my last book, Lighten Up Y'all, is the one that won the James Stewart Award. Very proud of that. Was that, uh, in your mind, would that be like what you envision it's like for a actor to win the Oscar? Well, the James Beard Awards are known as the Oscars of the culinary industry. So <laughs> I don't know what it's like to, uh, to, uh, to be a movie star, but I do know how proud I am to win that award. Well... You're so deserving. Uh, there, it's a highly competitive field. You've distinguished yourself with some really original um, recipes, with uh, uh, book writing, uh, with programs that you've contributed to. And so I just think uh, we all should thank you for doing what you do. Well, thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me on today. It's really been a pleasure talking to you. Well, I really appreciate your taking time to be on the Business Hour. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 worldwide. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio and the Internet next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.